0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, zora. Africa, amuka na una.
1: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective and we're coming to you live in Johannesburg, South Africa. Our shortwave transmitter has been temporarily disabled. We will inform you as soon as our shortwave broadcast is restored. Stay tuned to Channel Africa on DSTV's Audio Bouquet Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu, in studio with Anne Moussa, Tabisa and Neddo Chimani. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the hour, UN calls for more funding and long-term aid to Cyclone Idai victims, and Security Council discusses ways to prevent the spread of nuclear weapons. In economics news, a sharp fuel increase in South Africa could push inflation up. And in sports news, Sundance prepares for Champions League quarterfinal clash against Al-Akhli. But first up, the news with Ayn Moussa.
2: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. Celebrations are still continuing in the Algerian capital, Algiers, following President Abdelaziz Bouteflika's announcement that he was resigning with immediate effect after more than 20 years in power. Car horns sounded on the streets and crowds of flag-waving people converged to celebrate. The 82-year-old head of state had been under pressure to step down after weeks of street protests. His resignation letter says he's leaving in the interest of the country and the people. The Speaker of the Upper House of Parliament, Abdul Alam. Ben Salah is to act as interim interim leader for up to 90 days during which a presidential election must be organized. The pro-government National Constituent Assembly in Venezuela has stripped opposition leader Juan Guaidó of parliamentary immunity. Lawmakers loyal to President Nicolas Maduro have also authorized the High Court to criminally prosecute Guaidó for proclaiming himself the crisis-hit country's ruler. Guaidó, who is recognized by over 50 countries, had earlier expressed fears of being abducted by government agents. He declared himself interim president earlier this year following elections. The BBC's Will Grant reports.
0: The decision to ratify the Supreme Court's earlier step of stripping Juan Guaido of his parliamentary immunity was met by loud applause from the pro-government deputies who passed it. They said they had the right to take away the opposition leader's immunity for violating a travel ban placed on him by the judiciary. However, this is ultimately over his decision to declare himself interim president in defiance of President Maduro. Mr. Guaido's team said he doesn't recognize the legitimacy of any part of this.
2: Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta has launched a controversial biometric ID system which he says will enable people to access government services more easily. Critics have however challenged the legality of the system in court, arguing that the digital database would infringe on people's rights to privacy. The BBC's Will Ross reports.
0: In a country where getting an ID card or driving licence can be a headache and visiting a government office might mean a long wait and even a bribe, You'd think a new biometric ID system would be welcomed, but trust in Kenyan politicians is low and some people question whether the system will really make the delivery of government services more efficient, as promised. The High Court has ruled that the new biometric system must only be voluntary and has banned the state from sharing any of the information it collects. In time, Kenyans will find out if this helps cut red tape or turns out to be a corruption-tainted white elephant.
2: Doses of cholera vaccine have arrived in Beira, Mozambique, as authorities are struggling to contain a cholera outbreak in affected areas by cyclone edi. Some nine, f- 900,000 doses have been procured by UNICEF in the World Health Organization as they battle against a cyclone-induced cholera outbreak which has killed two people and infected more than 1,400. Water treatment systems are also being re-established while water purification products are being distributed across the affected region. By Tuesday, 598 people had been confirmed killed by the cyclone in Mozambique alone, while Zimbabwe reported its toll to have climbed to 268, taking the toll to 866 between the two countries. And finally, Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has expelled two former cabinet ministers from his Liberal Party after they accused him of meddling in a criminal case involving an influential company. Joe DeWolson-Raybould and Jane Fulpot had already resigned from government, citing their concerns over the SNC. Lavellin affair: The firm is accused of bribing officials in Libya to win contracts under Muammar Gaddafi's regime. Trudeau says his decision was sparked by the revelation that Wilson Raybould had secretly recorded a conversation she had with one of his officials, which she released publicly on Friday. Wilson-Raybould says the tapes back up her claims that government officials inappropriately pressured her to shield SNC-Lavalin from prosecution. Trudeau was speaking during a press briefing.
0: The trust that previously existed between these two individuals and our team has been broken. Whether it's taping conversations without consent, are repeatedly expressing a lack of confidence in our government and in me personally as leader. It's become clear that Ms. Wilson-Raybould and Dr. Philpott can no longer remain part of our liberal team.
2: And that's the news headlines at 8.30 Central African Time.
3: world-renowned Harvard economist and corporate strategist Mark Kramer and other exciting speakers in Nairobi, Kenya at the Africa Shared Value Summit from 23 to 24 May 2019. Hear how business thought leaders and changemakers have transformed their organizations through profit with purpose. Book your ticket at AfricaSharedValueSummit.com today. Channel Africa is a proud media partner of Africa Shared Value Summit and will be broadcasting live from the summit. Make sure you don't miss out on the broadcasts on the 23rd and the 24th of May 2019. Log on to www.channelafrica.co.za or Southern Africa DSTV 802 to listen.
1: The United Nations has appealed to member states to respond quickly and generously to the humanitarian appeals that have gone out in the aftermath of Cyclone Idai in southern Africa. In a meeting of the Economic and Social Council ECOSOC, the Deputy Secretary General Amina Mohammed warned that of an almost $400 million funding appeal gone out for the three worst affected countries, only about 12% has been received. This as concerns remain heightened over rising cholera and malaria cases that could see the death toll continue to rise. Shohan Bryce-Peace has
0: more. The worst storm to hit Southern Africa in many generations has already killed more than 700 people across Mozambique, Malawi and Zimbabwe. As the risk of continued flooding, the spread of disease and the loss of more lives persist. As Amina Mohammed, the UN's deputy chief, explained.
4: The Central Emergency Response Fund immediately dispersed 20 million, yet the response is still underfunded. We also need to ensure that the response is expanded to rural areas and communities. The three countries need over 300 million for the next three months, yet only 46 million has been recorded on the financial tracking system. And so here we call on member states to to bridge this gap urgently.
0: The clear message that the world needs to look towards not only rebuilding, but preventing such disasters in the future.
4: Such calamities can erase, in an instance years of hard-won progress. And while it is impossible to link any single weather event with climate change, such extreme storms are consistent with what scientists are telling us about the impacts of global warming and what our own eyes can see. Recent hurricanes in the Caribbean and the catastrophic storms, droughts and fires in sub-Saharan Africa, South Asia and North America are driving home the existence of a new norm for which no country is immune.
0: As these climate extremes add great pressure to an already stressed international humanitarian system, listen to David Beasley, who's executive director of the World Food Programme.
5: For the year 2019, food security is going to be a serious, serious issue, and because of no power in any of these villages with over 10,000 power poles gone and no electricity, clean water and sanitation is a very serious issue. In fact, in some of the villages where the water is subsiding, children and families have been standing and walking in water for two weeks. You can imagine what that's doing uh, to the flesh, the rotting of the feet, and the many issues that just come along with a devastation of this nature.
0: With expectations of a decent harvest in the region decimated by the breadth of Idai's destruction, Mark Locock is the Under-Secretary General for Humanitarian Affairs and responsible for the UN's overall emergency response. The needs, again, are very substantial. 900,000 people affected across 15 Districts, And the thing that we're most concerned about in Malawi is the impact on what, as I saw when I was there three weeks ago, could have been a very good harvest. That now is very much under threat. And so the response needs will deal, need to deal both with the immediate problems, but also the likelihood that very large numbers of people will have lost their means of income um, for, um, you know, for many months into the, many months into the future. The response to cyclone Idai also to be discussed at a meeting of the IMF and World Bank next week to again allow the UN's humanitarian officials to lobby gathered finance ministers on how the international community should respond financially to support the worst affected countries in a region where over 500 hectares of crops have been destroyed and more than 200,000 people displaced. The major focus now is on preventing a health emergency, with some 900,000 doses of oral cholera vaccines arriving in Mozambique's battered city of Beira earlier Tuesday. I'm Sherman Bryce Pease in New York.
1: Zimbabwe on Tuesday launched an official international and domestic appeal for disaster relief aid as the death toll from cyclone Idai reached 268. The storm, one of southern Africa's worst weather disasters in decades, pounced Mozambique's port city of Beira before moving inland to Zimbabwe and Malawi, killing about 1,000 people across the three countries. The tourist town of Chimanimani was hardest hit in Zimbabwe. Simon Muchema reports.
6: The Zimbabwean government on Monday released some confusing figures relating to the cyclone Idai death toll, a move that attracted some bashing from citizens. Last week, government said the death toll had risen to 189. While the United Nations agencies claimed 259 people had died to those who have not been affected directly, the difference in the figures would not matter but to relatives of those reported missing, this is crucial. Experts have warned government's failure to come up with effective data reporting is worrisome at this moment. Although the United Nations agencies are yet to produce their latest death toll, it is expected it will surpass government standing by now. Local government minister, July admitted on Monday, government is finding it hard to ascertain the veracity of the cyclone. The numbers
5: are, are confusing us all well as well because, uh, as you know, we were saying 181, 179, the 23, the numbers keep on changing. And uh, to be honest, we will continue changing as... Uh, the sniffer dogs, which came from South Africa, keep on pointing
6: uh, places where we, we need to exhume bodies. To date, 82 bodies of Zimbabweans were buried in Mozambique, while relatives of the 329 people missing are still busy searching in Chimani Some might not find closure on this matter, as they might not get to see the remains of the missing people who could have died by now. Minister Moyo explained.
5: In addition to that, uh, bodies that are being thrown out on the confluence of rivers inside Mozambique, such like the one you are mentioning. But in the figures that we were giving you earlier, the figure 7 was always being mentioned. That was in Mozambique, either 7 or 8. But as we continue to investigate that at the confluence of Aroni and uh, and Rusitu, the Mozambican uh, villagers indicated they got 15. But because we are not exactly verifying these 15, they told us that they buried them. Then far inland at a place called Dombe, which is inside uh, Mozambique again, which is almost 40 k's from the Zimbabwean border, they found another 60. So, that's where you get 60 plus 15, which is 75 plus 7, that figure of 82.
6: July Moy added.
5: Then we have this uh, 329, we are missing, and uh, what have you. The figure is almost accurate, because uh, people have lost their loved ones, relatives, or next-door neighbors. We have been trying to confirm these numbers, but... Uh, of those 329 that could include those 82 that are found in mozambique or the ones where the sniffer dogs are indicating for instance that there are bodies underneath and we still have not exhumed
6: meanwhile south african sniffer dogs have helped identify areas where at least 28 bodies are buried under rubbles while the dogs have done a remarkable job government is now in a fix as it is unable to retrieve those bodies owing to lack of modern and sophisticated machinery.
5: Uh, in one area, they now have 28, and uh, we still, at the end of the day, will confirm You know, uh, the total number. We will get the figures for to do. They have sniffed, but the bodies are still under rubble. We now need a uh, delicate situation. In, in some areas, it's difficult to pick the bodies using your picks and shovel because the boulders are huge. So if you rush in and just use your excavators, this body must be decomposing. So we, we are working out something and we, we hope that we'll
6: find a good medium to exhume the bodies. At least 329 people are still missing in Zimbabwe following the devastating cyclone while 250,000 people were affected. On that note, Zimbabweans have raised concern over government's failure to report and address adequately the disaster which left a trail of destruction and thousands of families devastated. In Harare, Zimbabwe for Channel Africa, this is Simon Muchemwa.
1: The United Nations is warning that extreme weather conditions will affect Africa's food security situation as vulnerable populations struggle to cope with increased droughts and flooding. The situation in southern Africa, where tropical cyclone Idai, one of the worst weather-related disasters, to hit the southern hemisphere and an ongoing drought in the Horn of Africa region, are just some of the worrying effects of global warming. Sarah Kimani reports.
7: In the south, tropical cyclone Idai. In its wake, death, destruction and devastation. In the east, prolonged dry spells. Hunger now stalks millions of people across the Horn of Africa region with reports of at least 11 deaths in Kenya due to starvation. The Famine Early Warning Systems Network has predicted severe hunger and crop failure of up to 30% this year. The United Nations has warned that the number of climate-related disasters have increased in the last 30 years. Antonio Guterres is the United Nations Secretary General.
8: No country or community is immune. And, as is always the case, the poor and vulnerable are the first to suffer and the worst hit. My heart goes out to the hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions, of people affected by the recent cyclone Idai in Mozambique, Malawi and Zimbabwe. Such events are becoming more frequent, more severe and more widespread and will become even worse unless we act urgently, no.
7: Well, Petteri Tallas is the Secretary General of the World Meteorological Organization.
9: We have seen the flooding problems, uh, we have seen drought problems, uh, heat wave problems, and also storm problems, and, uh, and, and about half of the world population have been exposed to major... That's a disaster.
7: We visited the Weather Center at the Kenya Meteorological Department in Nairobi to understand exactly what is happening. In the East African region, the October to December rains were below normal, spelling a disaster for a population that comprises 80% subsistence farmers. Chris Kiptoum is a severe weather expert in Kenya.
9: The, the northern part of East Africa, uh, where we've experienced uh, prolonged drought, and this is... Uh, more so around uh, much of uh, Kenya and northern Uganda and of course parts of uh, Ethiopia. There was uh, a failure in crop uh, production
7: Global temperatures have risen to close to one degree Celsius above the pre industrial period. 2018 was the fourth warmest year on the record, and the last four years were the warmest years in the global temperature record, according to the World Meteorological Organization. Of concern to scientists is a rising sea level. Keep tomb, again.
9: Whenever we have uh, increased ocean temperatures, uh, it, it is uh, uh, a good. Uh, condition that enables the formation of tropical cyclones and uh, most of the temperatures uh, exceed 26 degrees and because of that uh, tropical cyclones become more and because of climate change uh, we are having more ocean temperatures uh, exceeding 26 degrees and therefore an increase in the frequency of tropical cyclones.
7: In Africa, experts warn that climate extremes will reverse gains made in ending hunger and malnutrition with at least 31 countries on the continent presently in need of food assistance. Sarah Kimani, Kenya.
10: Just a reminder, Spotlight Africa, a feature program that showcases and highlights African issues from an African perspective, can be heard every Wednesday at 10 hundred hours uct with repeats on wednesday at twenty hundred hours thursday at three hundred hours and sunday at thirteen hundred hours uct listen to spotlight africa a program that interrogates issues from an african perspective spotlight africa
1: Efforts to prevent the proliferation of nuclear weapons should be matched by an equal commitment by the nuclear weapon states to eliminate all nuclear weapons in a verifiable and irreversible manner. That was a message from Pretoria's envoy to a meeting of the United Nations Security Council during a discussion in support of the non-proliferation treaty one year ahead of the 2020 review conference when its entry into force will mark 50 years. South Africa reiterated its commitment to the attainment of a world free of nuclear weapons. and Peace reports.
0: The 8,500th meeting of the Security Council is called to order. The meeting sought to reaffirm the broad commitment to advance the goals of the NPT as a cornerstone of the nuclear non-proliferation regime. But South Africa took issue with the rate at which the treaty's goals and targets were being implemented through Ambassador Jerry Machila.
10: We remain disheartened at the apparent lack of agency and seriousness with which nuclear disarmament has been approached in the NPT context. This state of affairs places the treaty as well as its review process under increasing pressure and falls far short of the expectations. Continued reliance on nuclear weapons, insecurity doctrines The development of nuclear type, new types of nuclear weapons and qualitative improvements to the existing arsenals have also not allayed the fears of non-nuclear weapon states.
0: He warned that member states should not become complacent about the continued threat that nuclear weapons posed and urged that measurable progress on nuclear disarmament must become a major determinant in achieving international peace and security. South Africa also recently acceded to the separate nuclear ban treaty, joining just 21 other states who have ratified the agreement to date.
10: Despite immense pressure and lobbying on South Africa, we clearly demonstrated our commitment towards nuclear disarmament when we deposited our instrument of ratification of the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons, TPNW on 25 February 2019, joining 21 other member states that have ratified the treaty. We want to use this opportunity to encourage member states that have not done so to sign and ratify the TPNW at the earliest possible time in order to ensure its early entry into force. For us, Mr. President, the the TPNW is a positive and a bold step towards a world full of nuclear weapons. It complements and reinforces the NPT.
0: That said, the NPT, which entered into force in 1970, represents the only multilateral binding commitment to the goal of disarmament by states which officially stockpile nuclear weapons. Ambassador Machila again.
10: Mr President, South Africa strongly supports the full implementation of the NPT and its universality in pursuit of the goal of achieving and maintaining a world free from nuclear weapons. In this regard, we will do well to remember that the strength, credibility, and utility of the NPT rest on a fundamental bargain which all of us should uphold.
0: A council statement later agreed that the 2020 NPT Review Conference will provide an opportunity for an unambiguous reaffirmation of commitments to the treaty, a commemoration of its historic achievements, and the strengthening of the nuclear disarmament and non-proliferation regime. I'm Sherman Bryce pease in New York.
1: South Africa's Governing African National Congress says it has referred its entire list of candidates for parliament and the provincial legislature to its Integrity Commission for review. This emerged at a media briefing in Johannesburg yesterday. The Governing Party has reminded its prospective parliamentarians that representing South Africa and the ANC in parliament and the nine legislatures is an honour and not a right reports.
11: The ANC has received over 800 nominations of public representatives who will be deployed to the national and all the nine provincial legislatures after the May 8 elections. And as list guidelines, at least the top 25% of the available seats in parliament and the legislatures come from the branches. ANC Deputy Secretary General Jesse Duarte says their list will have people who will complement the party's renewal post of honesty and integrity.
3: Our people supported processes to deal with allegations of corruption and state capture, expressed through the various commissions which must be supported and allowed to conclude their work. The ANCs also listened to the people when they said, our public representative candidates must reflect the spirit of renewal and integrity. As a further measure, therefore, the NEC has referred its list in its entirety to its Integrity Commission for review, with the ambit of the list guidelines, the rule of natural justice, and the 54th conference resolutions being uppermost in our mind.
11: The governing party was unyielding on its resolve that it will not be dictated by the media as to who should be on its national and provincial lease.
3: We have agreed that we're not going to select people who must be subjected to ethics scrutiny by the Integrity Commission. Let them scrutinize everyone. Several names of people were mentioned in a number of different commissions of inquiry. But the media have chosen three people to consistently mention. And we thought that we must be very cautious as the ANC not to be influenced by the bias of the media against people. Commissions of inquiry have not been concluded as yet. People have not been cross-examined in some of the instances.
11: Bad things took an ugly turn when Jesse Duarte accused the ANC and its journalists of bias against the party.
3: I said to you that if you have any attack question on the ANC that is not in our press release, you will address them to our spokesperson. Now, Mr. Uh, Samkelo, you have a habit of making people feel that you are the lord of the media. You are one journalist. You work for one ENCA. You call me a bully, but you are the worst bully I've ever come across. I've never met anyone as arrogantly disposed as you are. And you want to defend freedom of speech you never fought for. Your particular... TV station has decided the direction it will go on. As it did in 2016, you followed the DA slogan of vote for change. So what do you want us to do? To bow and scrape every time you walk into a room? You're just a journalist, like I am just a citizen. Nothing more, nothing less. As it did in 2016, you followed the DA slogan of vote for change.
11: Although the ENCA journalist apologized he was unrelenting that he will report on the ANC without fear or favour.
3: I
7: have the utmost respect for
3: you. No, you do not.
7: You can ask you that. On Sunday, I said to him, I respect your DSG a lot. Yes, at times I may have asked harsh, direct questions, but those questions have never been about or biased against your organization. I've always been fair to you. I've never done a story against you. Yes, I will ask tough questions against several Ramaphosa, Ace Mahashule, Adi Mabuza, against Amalu but Batzabile Damini, including yourself. But never, never... Have I thought I'm bigger than any other journalist in this country? If my direct questions offend you, with all due respect, I apologize, but I will continue asking those questions. I've got the utmost respect for you. The last time you attacked me with CD, and I called you, hi, Coco DSG. I'm not talking And Google. I respect you for this. I respect you as an elderly woman who's around my grandmother's age. Are you done? I'm done.
3: Thank you very much. The next time you need to interact with me, you put it in writing. You are just a journalist.
7: I'm just a journalist in South Africa. And I never fought for this media freedom, but I would enjoy the freedom that was fought.
3: Exactly. And don't undermine other people because you're, 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 you know, you're a thug.
11: Meanwhile, the ANC has since requested a meeting with the ANC editorial team and the South African National Editors Forum on other issues the governing party also reflected on the current situation at escom and the resurgence of violence on foreign nationals saying that justice
1: that report by ndebo mukobo our headlines up next with musa
2: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. The headlines celebrations are still continuing in Algeria following President Abdelaziz Bouteflika's announcement that he was resigning with immediate effect. Cameroon's opposition leader Maurice Kamtu, who faces several charges and offences against the country's president, asked to be tried in an open court. And the South African government say three people have been arrested for spreading fake information to fuel tension that has resulted in the displacement of foreign nationals in KwaZulu-Natal and Limpopo provinces. Those are the stories making headlines.
1: The Congress of South African Trade Union's Kasatu in KwaZulu-Natal province says it is unacceptable that leaders in the province are being arrested without substantial evidence. The federation held a briefing in Durban to inform the media about matters that arose from their recent Special Provincial Executive Committee. Prabhashini Moodley
12: reports. Kasatu in KwaZulu-Natal have announced that the national May Day celebrations will be held in the province this year. Provincial Chairperson Kumuso Madlalose says the Special PEC further discussed political developments relating to the arrests of key ANC leaders in the province. He says these cases, which involve senior government officials, should be treated with sensitivity. The
8: principle of not being guilty until proven otherwise must actually be upheld to anyone. We should not actually be very much taken aback by the allegations and when everyone is alleged to have been implicated on any particular crime, then we rush to a chase and then suspend or ask them to step down. And we cannot have a situation whereby any leader is alleged to have committed a crime and then that person is deemed as if that person committed that particular crime. Allegations must be dealt with as allegations. These are sensitive issues. Two mayors have been implicated here.
12: Meanwhile, Kosato Provincial Secretary Edwin Mkise says they are disillusioned by the behavior of state security, which he says has earned the reputation of letting the country down.
8: The issue of corruption is not only affecting ANC, but even opposition parties have been implicated. One of the issues that we have not dealt with properly as the movement or leaders of the ANC are the only ones that are being spoken as implicated on at the issues of corruption. But we know very well leaders of the opposition parties that have been implicated in corruption. But South Africans are not asking the NC government, what is it that you are doing about leaders of the opposition parties who are also implicated in corruption?
12: Mkize um, condemned last week's incident of instability in Mandeni on the province's north coast, where service delivery protests became violent. Industries, clothes and infrastructure was damaged.
8: We were taken by surprise when we were informed about the disturbing developments in the area of Mandai in which the public protest has turned into violence. protest in the area. And we are saying that this bearing in mind, the very same thing happened in 2016, in the very same area. to condemns, anarchist disruption of industries and urge all workers in Guastebe and surroundings to unite in defense of their jobs.
12: Mkizeh says the federation condemns the exploitation of foreign nationals in South Africa.
8: We want to denounce what we have seen done by many companies, the exploitation of the foreign nationals from neighboring countries, Swaziland, Malawi, Lesotho, Mozambique. You have companies who will tend to go outside the country to get workers from uh, the neighboring countries for cheap labor. We condemn that thing as COSAT. This conduct perpetuates xenophobic elements in our country.
1: That was Congress of South African Trade Union Secretary in Gauteng Natal Province, Edwin Mkise, ending that report by Prabashni Mudli.
9: Africa, rise
0: and shine.
10: Africa, Africa, wake up. Africa, 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 we Sun rises. <laughs> the sun is rising. Where ya What's in the happen Africa? Africa. Dumelang San Bonani. Africa. Mulisha ni mubuange.
9: Africa. Iyeyomi kilonshela.
10: Africa. Dinkim kinku What's in the happen Africa? It doesn't matter where you come from. Lesotho. Kenya. Zambia. Ghana. Nigeria. Tanzania. Congo. Liberia. Togo. Ethiopia.
8: DRC. Zimbabwe. Senegal.
10: Sierra Leone. Liberia.
8: It doesn't matter where you're from, we are one people, Channel Africa.
2: The African Perspective.
10: This is DJ Cleo with G Exploits from Nigeria.
6: Channel Africa.
2: Bringing you the African Perspective.
1: Various South African clan leaders and political parties marched to the union buildings on Tuesday to submit a memorandum pleading with President Sul Ramaphosa to intervene in releasing Abatembu King Buyelekaya Dalingebo. Nalingebo has been detained in jail since 2015 after he was found guilty of assault, arson, kidnapping and defeating the ends of justice following punishment he administered to some of his subject matters when they appeared before his traditional court. Maluti Obu reports. The march is a follow-up
8: to the petition they submitted to Correctional Services and the Presidency in September last year. Dalinge, who has now served more than a quarter of his 12-year jail term, was convicted for culpable homicide and arson. The crimes were said to have been committed in the 1990s. The Amampondo Princess, Nikiwe Bam, who is one of the organizers of the march, says, Dalinge continued incarceration has an adverse impact on on the institution of traditional leadership. We are pleading with the president to consider and reconsider again and again the plea of the people of Abatembu and of South Africa as a whole, because as royals, it's no longer just about Abatembu, It's about the nation and it's about the institution of traditional leaders. That's why we are here today with
3: all the different kingdoms of South Africa to say we are in one voice. We are saying, please, Premier of Abatembu.